Now what the, the Maral brings down is a Medrash. And the Medrash offers us three opinions as to what the ultimate principle in the Torah is all about. Previously we discussed a discussion between Ben Azai and Rebbe Kiva whether the verse of after loving your fellow Jews yourself or the verse they say for told us Adam that person's um, this is the offspring of man that you create in the image of God which one encapsulated the theme of the Torah more effectively you recall that's what we discussed previously in other words is it the relationship that you have when a person feels intrinsically connected to another because of his relationship to the mitzvahs and those define him as an individual or is it the fact that when you're educating your children what you'd like to convey to them more than anything else is your own deepest values principles the core of your being and since the core of your being is connected to your expression of self through the mitzvahs so in order for you to do that effectively you have to be effectively connected to all the mitzvahs in other words either in terms of parenting or in terms of relationships the mitzvahs play, play a crucial role for a cohesive and effective relationship or impressing a set of values as a, in a sense forming the child that you bear comes along the Maral and I quote a medrash which mentions one of the previous opinion but adds in another two and the medrash comes and quotes Ben Zoyma and Ben Zoyma says no the ultimate expression of how the Torah works is the pasuk of Shema Yisrael Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echod Shema Yisrael, yeah Israel, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem is our God Hashem Echod, Hashem is one it's been the, let's say, the, the battle cry of Jews from time immemorial and perhaps that was the ultimate introduction of God into the world the, the notion of monotheism Hashem is one most of the ancient religions subscribed to what's called polytheism that they saw in the different and diverse parts of the world different gods the god of thunder, the god of rain, the god of wind, the god of the earth, the god of the sea etc in other words they looked upon at the different and disparate parts of the creation as being sometimes at war with one another the gods were, would fight they would in, in mythology and Judaism comes along and says no there's no such thing there's no diversity and there's no disparity that all the diverse parts of the creation ultimately are like the musicians playing the instruments in an orchestra each one different but they're creating they're subscribing to they're playing the same notes they're all playing the same piece playing the same piece they look different and you can see you know, when you see 
those massive bass cellos amazing sound so you know you think what 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 connection to the to the trumpets but the truth is when the cello and the trumpets and and the drums and the the violinist all get together so then music is created it's created by the sum total of of that experience i'll give you an example of how i experienced diversity and unity okay i recently went to a concert was two pieces played by talented violinist Pinchas Zuckerman, Israeli born, famous violinist, very, very talented. And the orchestra was conducted by Vladimir Ashkenazi, also a very talented conductor. And I was watching the orchestra and I had a strange experience. When I watched the orchestra play, the more I focused on watching the musicians play their instruments, the less able I was to be able to listen to the music. Because when I focused on the individual musicians, I lost the sense of the whole. And I actually found that the only way I could listen to the music was if I closed my eyes. In other words, it was impossible for me to grasp the oneness of the music when I focused on the disparity of the parts. I had to close my eyes and then the music I, I responded to it as, as if the music was in a place, this is how I pictured it in my mind, above the orchestra. The music is what the orchestra made, it wasn't the orchestra. But by all their joint participation, so something whole came out of it. A wholeness, a completion. But when I focused on the individual musicians, so I lost the sense of completion. I would hear perhaps their note being more pronounced. None of you, yeah, you can resonate with that experience? Mm, yeah. I mean, you can find, even when you, even when you watch a single musician play sometimes, you feel that when you, when you watch him play, so then that's not where the music is. The music is a place not there. That's Although sometimes I could write stuff and listen to the rabbi what he's saying. It's very special, so. <laughs> so, so the the whole notion of the oneness of the creation is that the apparent disparity is is an illusion. It's not really what it's about. It looks like all these diverse things in the world. You know, even in in the, in a sense of an ecosystem, we see, we can experience it. In the ecosystem, you know, when you see a when you see a lion. A lioness stalking and 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 attacking and killing an impala. And so the apparent the apparent presentation is one of conflict, lions versus antelope. But if you see the ecosystem, so then the lion has to eat the impala because otherwise there'll be too many bucks. If there's too many bucks, so then they'll destroy the trees. If there are no trees, so then the buck will die. So there actually has to be a control in the mouth, and that's facilitated by the predators. Then the predators only manage to get, they take the, let's say, the lion's share of the carcass. Then you've got the, the scavengers, the hyenas and the vultures. They come in, they take the leftovers. But I suppose them taking the leftovers cleanses the bones so that they can disintegrate and become absorbed and then 
put calcium back into the ground which will it's all one long system if you stop that system at any given point in time it appears to be an isolated area of conflict things fighting with one another but when you see it globally like the pieces of the orchestra when you see the global picture you don't look at the details but you see the global picture it's this incredibly well-structured system and if one thing in that system goes wrong the entire system becomes corrupted and collapses and that's why when you go to Australia they are so obsessive compulsive about the dirt on your shoes when you go to Australia they don't like it if you just come from Africa and they say have you been in any farmland and if they if you have so then they ask you to make sure that there's no soil on the sole of your shoes because shoes because Australia's got an independent ecosystem which they discovered much to the chagrin when the rabbits came the what the rabbits there was a I forgot his name an English nobleman that had you know a country estate in uh, Australia and he thought gosh you know I'm sitting here in Australia it's so boring I need to hunt but there wasn't much to hunt you know there's a limited amount of times you can hunt kangaroos so he decided to have a uh, classic British hunting you know you hunt rabbits it's kishmak <laughs> so he decided to import a few rabbits to Australia now of course he forgot about one old truth and that was rabbits breed like rabbits so what happened was granted you know he shot a few rabbits but they bred and they bred and they bred and they bred until there were millions of rabbits and these millions of rabbits needed food to eat and there's an entire area of Queensland which used to be lush vegetation which is now a desert because of the rabbits and until this very day the rabbits are a major problem because in Australia there were no rabbits which means there were no natural predators which means they multiplied and there was no one to stop them eventually they invented a virus which killed the rabbits the only problem is there's one percent of the rabbits who are immune to the virus so granted you got 99 percent dead rabbits but all you need is now one super rabbit <laughs> to reproduce and reproduce and reproduce and then you're back in the same problem but you see the delicacy of an ecosystem that even though all the parts seem to be in conflict with one another ultimately they cooperate with one another so we take that one step further and we said Hashem Elokein Hashem Echot that the oneness of the world is not only in terms of the natural world it's in terms of every historical event plays into every other historical event plays into every other historical event and every event within my life and everything ultimately will proclaim this incredible oneness of Hashem it will become again we, we only getting a snippet of the process so to us it seems crazy sometimes so many harsh and horrible things occur so many good and glorious things occur but we don't get the bigger we don't get the full picture Gary J we're not um, the topic but I know it's a free choice question but so that every piece of your life will ultimately be one put into place but often you choose to do X as opposed to Y or you could have chosen Y as opposed to X Yes. Which could lead to a whole different chain of events. Absolutely. So how do you tie that back into... So in other words, even though you have freedom of choice and you have culpability, from your perspective, things are open. From Hashem's perspective, are they closed? So he, he sees it either as X or Y. Okay, you just stumbled onto one of the deepest philosophical issues. But to, to oversimplify things, Hashem's perspective beyond space and time so he doesn't inhibit your choice but he knows your choice if you've watched the movie before so you don't 
inhibit what the characters choose, but you know what they will choose in the future. So therefore, the world is a clear what will occur from beginning to end. But we who are living within time act it out. So do we perceive it as our free choice even though it's actually... It is our free choice. It's totally free. That I should know that that is what we choose. That's right. Which causes different events altogether. For us, there are multiple paths. But for Hashem, He knows... If you know, if you know the future like you know the past, so then yeah, when, when you think about the past, you have choices. And you chose one way, makes many choices. So the fact that you can think about what you chose doesn't affect the choice that you made. You just now know the choice you made. But it doesn't take away the factors which you were conflicted about when you made those choices. Okay. Is it really free choice though if Hashem inevitably knows what we're choosing? Why not? Because if Hashem knows what we're choosing, then how is it really... Uh, our free choice if you look at the future the same way as we look at the past mm-hmm. and you think about choices that you made because the fact that you know now what you chose does that mean that you didn't choose it you just, you, now you have knowledge as to what the choice is that you made okay so the world is this, 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 this evolving symphony but we don't get to hear the music until all the pieces fit into place um, but that's our basic, our basic fundamental faith is that everything that happens in the world from beginning to end is under the umbrella of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and it's all synergized and it's all amalgamated and it's cohesive and there's nothing, nothing, nothing not one single thing in the world that is out of that umbrella nothing, nothing that's Hashem Echad Hashem is one So Ben Zoyma says that that's the greatest principle in Torah. That that knowledge of the unity of the Creator and that everything ultimately is a manifestation of what Hashem wants, that is the ultimate principle in Torah. Comes along Ben Nanas and says what Rabbi Akiva said, that that's the ultimate principle, which we discussed in length previously. And then we have a strange opinion, Shimon ben Pazi. Shimon ben Pazi comes and says, We found another verse, which he feels is a more broad, a, a better expression of what the ultimate principle of the Torah is. And then he brings a very unexpected verse. It's a kevzaichot te'ase should give that he should offer up the first sheep in the morning and this is a reference to an offering that was made when the temple was around that every morning a sheep was offered up and every afternoon it was called the Korban Atomit the daily offering and he says that verse describing that process is an encapsulation of all of the Torah now that seems very strange seems to be this like random verse out there in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden he's saying you know Shmaisha, I understand I understand but this it's really takes me off guard continues in morale and he says um, and then more than that sorry and then comes Replani this anonymous sage and he says and that's that's who we follow 
we follow the last opinion. Shimon ben Pazi, who says this random verse about the perpetual offering, that's the one that is the most effective, and that's how we follow. Third of three, as opposed, other than, but we previously had two. Shema, Vavtarech Kamocha, and this perpetual, the, the, the daily offering. The, the second one was manifesting God's image, or is one to your. loving your fellow man as yourself. So, in other words, there's a repeat. The middle one is a repeat of Rabbi Akiva that we saw previously. So, in total, there's really four opinions, right? Okay. Says the Maral. Upirish Midrash there, the explanation of this daunting exposition is as follows. Kiman de Omar, the one that holds Shmaiso Ashemakena Shemichod, Klal Godel. The one that holds that Shmaiso Ashemakena Shemichod, this verse which says Hashem is one, is the Klal Godel. What he means to say is, Pasuk Shema Yisrael, Al Yad Al Yadei Mitzvah Zois, who are Dibuk Boyis Barach Legamre. Through this mitzvah of Shema Yisrael, saying the Shema, this is how a person achieves the ultimate connection to Hashem. Will be frat and specifically betevas echod in the word echod. So. The Maral says that this opinion, Ben Zoyma, that says that the verse of Shema Yisrael is the ultimate principle in Torah, it's because that through this verse, a person can reach the most sublime connection to his Creator. And he's going to go on to explain and say that the whole thrust of the Torah is to develop that connection, and this verse embodies that connection. Hence, this verse serves as the ultimate. Okay?